It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Ginger Genuine Draft Show with your host, Ben Natan. Right here on Bleeding Green Nation and BGNRadio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ginger Genuine Draft brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation Radio. I am your host, Ben Natan. Let me just start by saying what a great first week of college football. We got such a great slate of games, and there's always this lingering fear that with with a slate of games like that, you're going to get some disappointing some disappointing matchups. But the fact of the matter is, we got we got tech, that Texas game against Notre Dame, that spectacular quarterback performances in that. The Ole Miss FSU game was so exciting. The comeback was so great to see Houston dominate Oklahoma like that. To see a young program kind of come up and take on such a powerhouse like Oklahoma and, and beat them down. That Auburn game, uh, a defensive knockout type of football game, and of course you got to talk about Bama. You got to talk about talk about Bama's dismantling of the USC Trojans that were just so so I don't even know what to call it. To see Lane Kiffin get that joy on the sideline of beating his old team, there was something kind of satisfying about that. And, of course, there was the LSU game. Uh, Wisconsin played LSU so tough and was able to pull out a last-second, you know, last play of the game, getting a game-winning interception. It was it was just such an exciting weekend, and, frankly, we are, we're just, you know, it just, we're blessed by it. That's, that's all I can say. And, and looking at where... The performances were most most impressive or most interesting in terms of a draft perspective. I, I want to look at the quarterbacks because Deshaun Kaiser, the Notre Dame quarterback, he stepped in for Malik uh, Zaire a year ago when uh, Malik went down with an injury against Virginia, and he played. Kaiser played outstandingly. And anytime you have a season like that, where just a guy comes out of the blue and he plays like that, you, you think, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it's a fluke, but. It's not a fluke, and we saw that against Texas. He's a big-bodied, athletic, strong-armed quarterback, and on top of that 
amazing skill set that he possesses. He's also very aggressive. He's very poised. He does a great job improvising. He's accurate at all levels of the field. He's a little bit inconsistent. His motion, his throwing motion is a little bit too long and that can, that can hurt your accuracy and thus also having a long throwing motion can affect uh, how a defender is reading where the ball is going. And that's, that's, a, that's a learning curve for him. But he is so talented and you saw that against Texas and you saw that all of last year, him slinging it all over the field. I mean, him to Will Fuller was one of the best combinations in college football a year ago. And if Kaiser can continue to show that, to show what he showed against Texas, to show that poise, that arm strength, that accuracy, the great decision-making. I think there's a legitimate conversation to be had in a couple months about whether or not he's the best quarterback in this class. And that's coming from a person, that's coming from me, who thinks that Deshaun Watson is the best thing since sliced bread. I, I, I'm After last season, I was totally sold on Watson. You know, like like Kaiser, he's at he's an athletic passer. He has a really big arm. Unlike Kaiser, th- this is where they differentiate. They're the two different kind of archetypes of quarterback. Kaiser's a little bit more of the gunslinger, and Watson's more. I don't want to call him a game manager because that's almost pejorative. I, he's he's a facilitator. He does such a great job just kind of executing what the offense is asking from him instead of. Uh, trying to create plays downfield and, and just get really aggressive. Now, Watson can be aggressive just as Kaiser can be kind of a game manager, but those aren't necessarily those quarterbacks' strong suits. You know, Watson, I think this is a great juxtaposition. I think that Watson and Kaiser is a lot like Jameis and Mariota back in 2015. There was a hotly contested debate between which quarterback was better, and it really came down to the fact that they were just different types of quarterbacks. Both of them, you know, both Jameis and Mariota were both so good at different aspects of the quarterbacking position. Now, you, there's a debate to be had about whether or not the gunslinging mentality, like that is the type of mentality that wins you a lot of games, but if you can get a guy like Watson or like Mariota, who is such a great uh, game manager while also having athleticism to complement that, that's the type of player you can win football games. I mean, you look at Tom Brady, and I'm not comparing I'm not comparing Watson to Tom Brady, but if you look at Tom Brady and look how he's made his career, his Hall of Fame career, he's done it as an ultra-efficient type of game manager. You know, not a super aggressive guy, not a great deep passer, but he does such a good job working the middle of the field to the utmost perfection. And when you get guys like Watson and Mariota who are so, so good at that coming out of college, and on top of that are mobile threats, that's a great quarterback. That's a great quarterback prospect. So when it comes down to Kaiser and Watson, I think at the end of the year, it's really going to come down to preference. You know, what teams like, what what evaluators like, I really think that they're both top-notch quarterbacks. Kaiser probably needs to show a little bit more in terms of just getting the tape out there. You just want him to have a lot of experience. But he's trending in the right direction. He's trending in a very good direction. A quarterback who isn't trending in a good direction, and frankly, I've never been sold on him. I haven't been sold on him, you know, since since he got to Ole Miss, and that's Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly, we we talked about a couple couple weeks ago on the show. We talked about he has some character issues, but let's let's put those aside right now. Let's just talk about Chad Kelly, the quarterback. And we saw against FSU 
where he isn't so strong. And that's in the decision-making and accuracy department of the quarterback position. He's big. He's athletic. He has a strong arm. But he's not an accurate passer. And he's not a great decision-maker. He's very aggressive. But he doesn't have the accuracy to compensate for his aggressiveness. And he's depending on his receivers to make plays. Now, when you had Laquan Treadwell making all those plays on the ball last year, you know, you, you thought you made Chad Kelly look pretty good. But when you have younger receivers trying to make those same plays, they're not going to be able to make it on a consistent basis. And you saw last night he made a lot of bad decisions and they turned into turnovers. He, and it, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem in his career if he's not able to clean that up. Now, I, I promise you that in a couple months you're going to hear people talk about him as a top quarterback prospect because of the the size and because of the arm strength and because of, you know, he's athletic and he plays in the SEC and he's a white guy and, oh, God, spare me. He's not he's not a top-tier quarterback prospect. Now, is he a guy that you want to look at on day three? Absolutely. He has the tools. He has the size. He has the experience. That's when you take a chance on a guy like Chad Kelly. Uh, I would be remiss. I would, I would be remiss to even think about him in the top 50, top 75 of the NFL draft. But that's quarterbacks. And then those are the, the big quarterback performance we really want to talk about for this past weekend. Some other guys I want to talk about are two guys who, for one a year ago and for another one a couple months ago, we didn't really know if they would be ever playing football again or at least playing at a high level. And that's Mike Williams, the Clemson receiver, and Nick Chubb. Mike Williams had a terrifying neck injury a year ago in Clemson's opener and ended his season. When you, you have your season ended by neck injury, that is serious and that's scary. And for him to come back in his first game from an incredibly terrifying injury, a career-threatening, maybe even a life-threatening injury, for him to come back in his first game against an SEC defense and just dominate them you know he was out running guys he was catching the ball over guys he was making plays in traffic he was running through I mean he was doing everything and that is I mean for one I just couldn't be happier for him and two it kind of speaks to what a freak athlete he is to be able to do that and I and we need to really appreciate that Mike Williams you know I talked I talked before about how much I love Juju Smith and Juju Smith is still really good. And I honestly still think that Juju Smith is the best receiver in the nation right now. But Mike Williams is a better athlete than Juju Smith. And if he can stay healthy through the season and he can do what he just did against Auburn, there's going to be a conversation on draft day. I might not necessarily agree with it, but there should, there's going to be a conversation on draft day about Juju Smith or Mike Williams being the first receiver in the draft. Because Williams is, you know, 6'3", well-built, very athletic, great at the catch point. I mean, those are the type of buzzwords that you want from a wide receiver. And for him to come out and play like that is amazing. And maybe more amazing, although it's probably unfair to compare them, is what Nick Chubb did against UNC. Nick Chubb had a gruesome knee injury. I don't advise anyone to watch it. But he had a gruesome knee injury a couple months ago against Tennessee. And it, it was blood-curdling to 
to, to watch. And just the way his knee bent, I, I was like, he's done. He's, there's no way. And the medical reports, he actually tore every ligament in his knee except for his ACL, which I'm actually not a doctor, but that probably boded well for him. And Chubb, <laughs> Chubb ran all over UNC. He ran through guys. He ran around guys. He ran over guys. I mean, it was just, it, he was the same physically dominant running back that he was a year ago. He put up 220 yards and two touchdowns on 33 carries in his first game back from a surgically repaired knee. That is insane. That is Adrian Peterson type of stuff. And UNC is no slush. I mean, UNC was a game away from being in the college football playoffs last year, and he dominated them. And, you know, I said before the season, Chubb, Chubb has a good chance, if he's healthy, to be the number one running back. And I'm pretty sure, pretty sure he's the number one running back now. I mean, you look at his competition, you look at Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette struggled against, uh, against Wisconsin. Now, I know the stat line looks good, but the reality is that he was stifled on a lot of runs. And the runs he was able to break off were more just bad defense. And, you know, I had some, I've had some concerns about Leonard Fournette over the course of uh, the offseason. And between, when you look at Leonard Fournette's performance against a very good Wisconsin defense, and you look at Nick Chubb's performance against a, U, a very good UNC defense, and you see, you saw where they won, where they lost. You know, Nick Chubb was consistently able to break tackles at the line of scrimmage, pass the line of scrimmage to create yardage for himself, while Leonard Fournette was just struggling to deal with the fact that teams were game planning for him. And of course that, you know, teams are going to game plan for a guy and therefore he's going to be slowed down. But the fact that Chubb was able to, I mean, you knew where the ball was going. It's not like, it's not like Georgia was having some great play from the quarterback position. You knew the ball was going to the running back. And the fact that he was able to consistently create plays despite Defense is knowing that says a lot for him considering, you know, him coming back from injury. So looking at Nick Chubb, looking at Leonard Fournette, and then also looking at Dalvin Cook, who had a 100-yard receiving game last night, but he didn't look so great running the ball, and it looked like he was a little bit heavier. I know he probably deliberately tried to put on weight in the offseason. People were kind of concerned about his size. He looked a touch slower, and that could have just been first game, you know, first game type of getting back into it. And I, I totally understand that. It's, it's hard to judge a lot of guys off their first game, especially with the heat in a lot of these games and, and getting back into shape. I totally get it. But in a race, in a theoretical race for number one running back, I would say that week one, Nick Chubb made the biggest statement for why he should be the first running back taken uh, come May. Now, in terms of this upcoming week, as good as this past weekend was, the upcoming week is not good. Uh, but there are performances to take note of, and I want people to watch Western Kentucky against Alabama. And I think the grand scheme of things will say that Western Kentucky will probably get blown out by Alabama. Alabama has... I think six or seven guys on their team who could probably start for an NFL team next week. And I mean, just the way they dismantled USC should show people the type of talent that Alabama has. But I want people to pay attention for Western Kentucky's wide receiver, Taewon Taylor, against Alabama. Taewon Taylor is an athletic freak, he is highly productive. 
and he's the number one guy in West at Western Kentucky. You know, he was he put up fourteen hundred yards and seventeen touchdowns last season. Uh, he averaged thirty yards per catch last week against Rice, and now he's going up against Marlon Humphreys. Eddie Jackson and Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, three NFL caliber defenders in the secondary. So it's doubtful that Western Kentucky is going to get a lot going, but it's a huge, huge test for Taewon Taylor. And if he can make a couple plays against these guys, I think that's going to be a huge boost for him when people turn on the tape. Because at Western Kentucky, you're not going to get a lot of NFL type competition. So to see how he does against Bamo should be big for his evaluation. The other game or the other matchup people should really keep an eye on is the Pittsburgh-Penn State game. And pay attention to Pittsburgh's offensive line. They have Adam Bistonway and Dorian Johnson on their offensive line. Two very, very talented offensive linemen against a stingy Penn State defense. And you also have James Conner, who had a very nice game, his first game back after months of cancer treatment. He had two touchdowns. I think that's a beautiful story. Says a lot about his, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. To be able to come back from something like cancer treatment, you know, play football and play it well, that says a lot about a guy's natural athletic ability and it says a lot about a guy's mental fortitude. It's just outstanding to think about what he was able to do or what he is currently doing as a person, as a football player, and I wish him nothing but the best. And I'm excited to see how he does and how the Pittsburgh offensive line does against Penn State. Now, besides those two matchups, besides, you know, the uh, Alabama-Western Kentucky game, the Pittsburgh-Penn State game, there's not a lot of great games to be watching. So I know it's early in the process. I mean, it's really, really early in the process. But after the first week of college football and... A couple months of looking at these guys in the summer. Let's talk about who might be in the conversation for the top three, four, five players in this class. And the the question for the first player, I think, is pretty easy to answer. And that's Miles Garrett, the Texas A&M defensive end. And he... He just dominated the UCLA offensive line. And to see that type of athleticism, that almost, that that elite level of athletic ability composed in such a manner where there's, there's a motor, there's great technique, there's not really a lot of holes in Miles Garrett's game. That is a special, special defensive line prospect. And you would be hard pressed to find a better player in this class. Besides him, I think you really have to look at the quarterbacks. You have to look at Deshaun Watson. You have to look at Deshaun Kaiser. You know, both strong-armed, athletic quarterbacks. Like we said earlier in the show, different styles. And that's something you need to negotiate over the course of the next couple of months. You know, what kind of passer do you want manning your football team? Do you want the game, man- the, the athletic game manager with the potential to become an aggressive passer, you know, the ability to kind of turn it on as an aggressive passer? Or do you want a guy who kind of has that switch flipped at all times? But 
I'm not going to say that one is bad because the other one is good. And that's something we tend to do a lot with prospects. You know, if there's a running back or if there's a quarterback who has another guy in the class who is near that level of talent, what people will usually do is say that one is bad in order to pump the other guy up. And I'm not really into that. The truth is that Watson and Kaiser are probably both going to end up being really good quarterbacks in the NFL. They're just different, and that's something I need to really put through people's heads. So you have Miles Garrett at the top, and then you have the two quarterbacks. After the two quarterbacks, I would get into the running backs. I would say that Nick Chubb is one of the best players in this entire class. And we had this whole conversation last year with Ezekiel Elliott, and we have yet to see how that all plays out. But the fact of the matter is when you have an elite athlete who has game-breaking ability, and you can give them the ball 20, 25, 30 times a game, that is a player that you need to value. That is the type of player you need to value in the draft. When you're getting a running back on a rookie contract, and he is touching the ball 270, you know, 300 times, 350 times a season, that's value. That's a valuable player. That's the type of player that wins you football games. Yeah, I can't say that enough. I won't stop saying it. Running backs are important. Running backs are valuable. And Nick Chubb is the best one in this class. So let's go over this one more time. We got Garrett. We got Deshaun Watson. We got Deshaun Kaiser. We got Nick Chubb. And for the last guy, for the fifth guy in this way, way too early top five, I'm going to give the nomination to Jamal Adams, who's a safety from LSU. Now, he didn't have the best game against Wisconsin, but what I've seen from him over the course of his career really, really leads me to believe that his size, his athleticism, his aggressive mentality, and his versatility makes him a top-tier defender in this class, and he has the potential to become one of the best safeties in the NFL. Now, if he continues to kind of show that pattern, kind of being over-aggressive, he was over-aggressive against Wisconsin. He missed some tackles, took himself out of some plays. And that's really his weak point is he tends to get a a little bit over-aggressive. But if that becomes a more consistent pattern over the course of the season where he's taking himself out like that, that's when you temper expectations. But Adams is a special athlete at a very important position. And even in what I think to be a very talented 2017 NFL draft, Adams could be one of the best five players in it. The next week of college football isn't the most exciting thing in the world. Be sure to keep an eye out on Bleeding Green Nation for a lot of draft content coming. We have some more preview stuff. And very special, before the season starts, before Carson Wentz's first start as a Philadelphia Eagle, which I know we are all excited about, but this week we'll have a mock draft. And we will have a mock draft, and ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to announce that that mock draft will have a first-round pick in it that will belong to the Philadelphia Eagles. That is a beautiful thing. I couldn't be happier about that. Ladies and gentlemen... I am Ben Natan. This is Ginger Genuine Draft for Bleeding Green Nation Radio, and I am signing off. (laughs) 